Hello and welcome to Poetry on the Air. Um, I'm Jack Collins. Unfortunately, Poppy has to make her apologies, um, but we are here with Matt Abbott. Hello, Matt. Hello, how are you doing? I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, good, Tar. Yeah, excited to be here. Me too. We're here at Igus Studios. Dom's on the desk um, and we're going to get into it about spoken word. Um, so just to start off, this is like... I. I didn't want to ask this question, but I kind of had to start at the beginning. So um, what do you love about spoken word, first of all? Um, and then following that, where did you start? Um, I love how instantly you can be really strongly affected by it. And what I mean is if you go and see a band and they play a song that you don't know, you can like it and be mm. interested in it. But generally, you need to hear a song three, four, five, six times before it really starts to hit you. With a poem, you can hear it once and you've no idea who the poet is or what the poem's about and you can hear it that first time and you get that instant connection. And I just don't think there's any other art, art form that does that. And, and much as understanding poetry often helps, I feel like you can go to a spoken word event not knowing anything about poetry and still have that profound connection. Like, you know, yeah. I can walk around an art gallery and go, I can see that it's good, but I don't get it. And with poetry, I think certain events you don't have to be able to get it it's human it's one of the most basic forms of communication like it's a century old tradition and i just you can't beat that for me and that's what i love about it you don't need to know any of the you don't need to know any of the stuff i love me new music right i love new music yeah but if i went to a, a an all day and i didn't know any of the bands i would probably be bored and that's not because i don't like music as an art form but i think i need that instant you hook. need to like hook on to the songs that you know yeah. i understand that feeling yeah yeah and whereas you feel like you can go to a full day of poets and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. really yeah. get a lot out of it totally totally yeah you never really know what you're gonna get and that's why i love open mic as well you know it's just the, the range of voices and perspectives and you always learn something like obviously as a poet in the audience you do experience it differently hmm. um than a, than somebody than if you were just poetry. a punter yeah, right, yeah, yeah 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 and i don't i, I don't really have I wouldn't really be able to draw much experience of watching it as a punter because I never did, to be honest. Right. So it's weird, but I, I I still like I'm no by no means an expert on poetry, and I really get that connection. And I just really buzz off it, and I'm gonna regret saying that about live music now because I love live music, but I just think my brain, I just think I need that. I need to be pulled in. I would agree. I think um, although there's a lot of links between sm like spoken word and lyric, yeah, um, smoking word, I smoking almost said word, smoking word, um, like the when you're listening to a band, um, you need like a connection to the music that's yeah. from the past, maybe. But um, with it poetry, it's immediate. There is an immediate connection. I think. I think maybe I've just become spoiled by it, to be honest, because I do. I do love. I do love live music. I just think. Um, I just prefer that hit that you get at poetry. But yeah. I got into poetry by accident. I got into spoken word by accident. So I, uh, I was at sixth form and Arctic Monkeys came out. Their debut album came out in 06. But if you were a cool kid like me, you already knew the demos. And um, <laughs> the West Yorkshire music scene. Romance, no. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. A certain is that the romance. Album? Yeah. No, the, the album's whatever people say I am. That's what I'm not. That's it. But a certain romance is the best. Um, yeah. the whole of Yorkshire just exploded with this indie music scene and the enemy dubbed it New Yorkshire and like indie music was really in and, and I had a couple of mates in bands and I started going to gigs at Escobar and I'd always fantasised about being a lyricist about being a frontman or a rapper you know 
Um, but I didn't really see a way in. I never even conceived that I could possibly be a musician. And then Is I went... This in, this in Leeds or Wake? Wakey. Wakey, in Wakey. Yeah, yeah. We'd come to Leeds sometimes, but there was a massive scene in Wakey. You didn't have to go to Leeds. Yeah, fair. Uh, and there was a band called Reverend and the Makers who had that tune, Heavyweight Champion of the World. Yeah, and John McClure, he used to do short bursts of spoken word before some of his songs. Um, and then they did a track where he teamed up with John Cooper Clark. And so I heard John Cooper Clark and like, um, you know, at, at the age of 16, no, 17, hearing John Cooper Clark, it's like, oh my God, what? That poet, what? That's not poetry. And so through yeah. that, I then got into Lin Linton Quasi Johnson and the, you know, the, the Mersey beat and discovered all this ranting punk poetry from the 70s and 80s. And so I basically, it sounds really arrogant to say this, but I was like, I could do that. Now, I don't mean I could do that to his standard, but I can pick up a pen and write something and perform it on stage that night. Yeah, it seems doable. It seems like Whether it's good or not, there, but you can yeah, attain that. I've got all the tools required to be able to create something, like whether it's going to be good or not. It's, and, and so that I really loved that, and I loved that I could get on stage. And I never asked... So, like, my mates were in bands, and I'd be like, like do you mind if I get up and introduce you and just heads up, I'm going to do a poem, right? But I never told the venue. Um, and then... Chris Morse at Escobar is like, I really like that kind of book you as a compare, but doing poems between bands. Mm. But this was like 2007 and no one really did that. And people started knowing me as poem guy. And at first we were like, why the fuck are you doing poems? But then after a while, we were like, oh, do a poem, mate. And yeah, I just yeah. got a buzz off the fact that I was doing something that utterly didn't belong. It wasn't expected. Like no one wanted to hear poetry in that venue. These are like skinny jean, enemy reading like Donny Tourette lookalike indie kids, which I was one of as well. I ain't criticising him, right? Great reference. But um, <laughs> poetry just didn't belong there. And that's what I loved. So that's, that's how I got into it. And it wasn't for about seven or eight years that I started doing poetry events. Like right. actual, the name of the game is poetry. So I came into it accidentally, basically. I love that. I think a lot of people find that their beginning is lyric in that way. There's a lot of strands between um, spoken word and like musical nights. Totally. Uh, just last night, I don't know what order the episodes will be in, but <laughs> if you haven't heard this, I'm sorry, spoiler alert. But um, Louise Fazakali was talking about how she started loving going to musical open mics to perform poetry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like the object of grabbing the crowd or yeah. providing something different. Totally. Often we're like speaking when there's bands on. Yeah. But that it's like being able to make the silence and then perform to like a crowd. It's a good way to cut your teeth. Definitely. Definitely. That's, that was my come up. There yeah. Was, I don't know if there were nights available in Leeds, but I couldn't find them. So I just went to like pubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And got booed off a few times. Yeah. That's yeah. what that's what you gotta do. That's what you gotta do. When you finding your voice. As finding your voice as finding a poet. Your voice. Um how do you most consume poetry? Do you uh, listen or read? Is it mostly like live? Live. Yeah? Live. Yeah. Has um, that changed over time? Um has it transferred more to live and before it might have well, been like I'm, listening or like over some kind of... I'm very privileged. Media. I'm very privileged in that I'm generally at at least two or three live poetry events per month because yeah. I'm either organising it or performing at it. So I'm very privileged in that I'm able to do that because you know, it would be expensive otherwise. Like, um, I just love that connection of being in the room and watching someone perform. And like one of the... One of the best parts of my life as a poet is is programming and just seeing like 
last month we had Jasmine Gardosi and Polar Bear. Oh my God, it was this month, but it feels like years ago. Oh my God, it feels but like years ago. in my head, I was like, imagine them two. And then you program it and then you put it on and then you're in the room and it's just seeing it, like it's amazing. But no, I just get a buzz off seeing it live. I, I do yeah. um, I do watch poetry on YouTube mainly to dip into their archives. Yeah. And I do obviously read it as well, but I don't get anywhere near as much time to read as I, do, as, as I would like. I've yeah. got to be honest, I just don't have as much time and also, rather stupidly, I've been writing a novel for four years. So any spare time that I do have for reading, I'm making myself read as wide a range of novels as I can. Right. But when that's, I'm going to be finishing that very soon and I'll go back to, I live with a poet as well, right? My, uh, I'm married to Maria Ferguson, who is a, an, an astoundingly good poet. And so big we've got Maria. a big bookcase full of poetry for me to get into. Yeah. <laughs> so she will she directs you towards the yeah yeah the cream, yeah the, the proper stuff. stuff. Yeah. yeah. So when we when we mer- merged our book collections together, like yeah. So, but seeing it live again, I get that instant connection. And like I don't have a lot of confidence sometimes reading poetry. Like I don't feel like I'm going into a collection necessarily knowing how to read it, which I think a lot of people experience. And so for me, hearing the poet read it first, I'll then go back and read the collection and be like, all oh, right, okay. Um, I kind of need that guidance, that in. There's like a, so you respond to that, the physicality and the the difference in tone, the way yeah. they express it, that gives you a, a way into the wording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe then when you read it later, you might like, get a little bit more out of it yeah because sometimes reading it really depends on what mood you're in how tired you are what the collection is but sometimes reading poetry can be quite difficult like i love poetry i'm not slagging poetry i'm not criticizing it but i'm only being honest right there's no point pretending otherwise sometimes it is quite difficult and sometimes you don't get that instant connection and part of poetry's fun is reading it again and again and again and every time you read it you get something new out of it but if i've already seen that poet live i kind of feel like i've got a connection with them that maybe propels me into the collection when I read it. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine this golden time when I'll be done with like what I intend to do and then I can just kind of lie down in a sea of poetry books and yeah. kind of tuck in. That's the dream. Yeah. And like you say, it's this, the repetition and the reading again and again that yeah, really yeah. reveals it to you. And I honestly, I feel the same. I haven't got time. I'm a glutton for live performance. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Um, and we're blessed in Leeds with so many events as well, to be fair. But um, I always heard that when you're reading a poem, you should read each stanza twice before you, you know, don't just read the whole poem through, read each stanza twice as you go through it or, or however it's divided up. You've got to really take time. And um, I just wish I had more time to be able to do that, which is crazy because like that should be the most important thing I ever yeah. do. As a poet, the most important thing you could ever do is read poetry. That's your number one. That's what you need to do more than anything else. But it's not, is it? Because no. you've got invoices and emails and Instagram sure. and should I be on TikTok and should I, I've got to do like, <sighs> mate. I honestly, I think like more than ever now, full-time workers are artists or like people who work in full-time arts have to be their own marketer, yeah. manager, um, booker. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's just there's not as much time as there used to be, perhaps. It's a bit of a lax statement. But... No, it's true, it's true. And, like, choosing to be a musician or a poet or an artist as a kind of alternative lifestyle and accepting that you might be on the dole, you might be, you know, in, in a, like, shared living space or whatever. On a that's a, but that's a viable... That used to be a viable alternative lifestyle decision. And I just feel like now it's just not... You just can't do it. You've got to be a poet and an accountant somehow. Yeah, yeah. Or you've got to have yeah. a trust fund. Or For you've sure. got to, 
you know, I don't want to get on this whole eat the rich vibe already, but it seems like you have to be in a position of quite immense privilege to be able to just do it and not graft. Do you know what I mean? Just, just be an artist and that's it. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like I will really get into somebody's performance and think, how do they do it? That's amazing. And then I will realise that they were privately educated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, and, and again, that's not a dig. It just sometimes happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Anyways. <laughs> yeah, anyway, let's swiftly move on from that one. Um, both of us have um, been in the classroom with poetry. Yeah, yeah. In different ways. Um, I'm going to ask a really broad question. How do you view poetry and education now? Because it takes a kick in generally in the podcast and in like general opinion. I think forever and ever for like a hundred years, people have criticised the way it's taught. Yeah. There's many quotes of, on it. Yeah, yeah, it's awful. It's awful. Um, so how would you, do you think we're improving that? I'm sure it'll come in waves, but like for right now. Not really. Um some I think I think the, the GCSE syllabus is very slowly improving in terms of the range and really? diversity on there to an extent. Can you give us an example of that? Um, Joelle Taylor. Oh, sweet! She's got a GCSE poem on the syllabus. Cream. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. So, you From know, Conto. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I, I don't, I can't. I, I, off the top of my head, I can't remember which poem it no is. No props. It's not all five hundred year old white men anymore. Like right. it is getting slightly better. But I feel like by the time they're at GCSE age, poetry is like algebra. It's just something to be understood and studied and figured out. And you can't mark a poem, analysis of a poem in a spreadsheet. You just can't. There's a real disconnect. It's like you're not, you're not teaching. Okay, this is it, right? Pupils are not taught to express themselves. They're taught to analyse something. And so it becomes uh, lingual maths. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like the arts are really being massively devalued, particularly since 2010, obviously. Really devalued mm. um, in general. And English literature is... I feel like English literature's always got this special... state, You know, because you've got that English science maths. It's one of the, like, protected subjects. But all the creativity's been sucked out of it because, like I say, it's not... We're going to teach you English language, English literature because you might want to use this as a tool to express yourself. It's, here's some text. You need to understand them. You need to show us that you can analyse them. Done. It's a means to an end. Do you know what I mean? So it's still like that. I remember it being like that when I was young. As far as I'm... As, as far as I can tell, yeah. Right. Like... Primary school pupils love poetry. They're well up for it. This is my experience. Is primary, yeah. so I've yeah, not they're got up the for GCSE. It. They are fun. It's, I think it's GCSE that absolutely ruins it. Wow. Um, like power and conflict. I just, it, it's just, but it's not for everyone. It's not. That's not the case. I was at the poetry by heart finals yesterday at the Globe, and um, that's a national competition for pupils right up to sixth form I think and they have to memorise a poem you can either write your own poem or you can pick a poem and memorise it and then perform it Fab. and I saw I think about 25 key stage three pupils all performing texts by like um, Shakespeare Yeats um, contemporary stuff like, and, and they absolutely loved it and you could tell they loved it but they would be in the minority i think and it's just i think maybe it takes an english teacher that's got a particular passion for it because to be yeah. fair right as, as well i always say it's not the teacher's fault i love english teachers i adore teachers 
but they have they're just being ground down they've got so much paperwork to do and so much extra work to do and Agreed. they have to start grading people's pupils from like the age of seven putting them in spreadsheets or whatever and they, like unless you're naturally already well into poetry the teacher's probably thinking oh god it's poetry today and then the pupils yeah. are thinking it and like i say that's not the teacher's fault but like you but just the, do what you got to do. The metric they have to get the yeah. students to re- respond to yeah. is so complex that if we have fun with poetry and feel it and like write it and perform it, when yeah. it comes to like res- like getting in that exam, they're going to be like completely yeah. clueless because you've got to. Yeah, know it's about not Robin these... Williams anymore. It's you know, it's yeah. just <laughs> what can I do to get them over the line? The dead poem society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. So it, it's a it's a real shame, but like, uh, I don't. I, I mean, that's why I love going into schools, just because I feel like I can try to be an antidote to that in yeah. a small way. Try and remind pupils that it can be fun. You know. Yeah, I've covered you in. Um, is it? Um, I've covered you in some classes. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That were. <laughs> and you'd clearly left your mark, but these were schools where the rules were so stringent we couldn't yeah, clap yeah. more than once. And that's yeah. rough. That, yeah. I I remember that so deeply. That, that's a, that's a fairly extreme school, like. But um, it is in an extreme environment, to be fair. But but the I went to um, strange. What I quite often so primary schools like it's a fairly standard booking. I know what I'm doing in primary schools. Whenever a secondary school approaches me, they always say, "What kind of thing can you do? What kind of thing can you offer?" And for some reason, I always say I want to work with a group of year nines who aren't really massively engaged in English, but maybe I've got something to say. I really love channeling. And I'd, say I'd rather work with one group of 20 who are potentially not going to engage, you know, or maybe not necessarily struggling academically, but are not one of those, you know, high flyers, like really put their all into every lesson. Yeah. Just a bit dis- disaff- disaffected. Um, in a similar way to where um, children are drawn to drama. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Sim- there's a similar demographic where they may not be doing well in other classes, but you put them in a drama class yeah, and yeah. like, they get it because yeah. it's attention. And they, can, they are, no, no, it's, I, exactly. And that's just it. And the, the, whenever they're chosen, they're always like, what? You've chosen me for a poetry workshop. What? And I'm just like, look, what have you got to say? Like, w- I want to hear you. What's your story? And like something shifts in the head where it's like, well, I'm not supposed to say poetry. I'm supposed to just study it. And when it's like, I'm giving you a space to express yourself, you just got to maybe make it rhyme. It's mm. suddenly, it's like, but no one asks me what I think. No one, do you know mm. what I mean? And I love it empowering people. It is a dirty word. I agree. It is yeah. a dirty word. Yeah. Because then, because it immediately suggests dullness, whereas they don't think about lyric or hip hop. Yeah. Or yeah, exactly. Like, um, the wording of TikToks and why that's yeah. satisfying. Even. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, um, is there a music that you look for um, in performance, particularly like character, movement, um, connection with the crowd? I often find patter is quite important as well in a in like a well-rounded performer. What is it that gives spoken word life and um, like success? <laughs> Come on! Uh, <laughs> wow, that's an interesting is that a question. Big, is that too big? What what makes a good spoken word performance yeah, or a good spoken word performer? Like you, I started doing putting on nights because I was just really wanted to hear what I wanted to be a witness to what to like about twenty poets at a time. Um, yeah. What in particular do you find draws you to a performer? Interesting. Um, when they 
there's a there's this sweet spot, I think, that's a combination between them being clearly vulnerable and like opening up to invite you in and then holding you with the narrative. So if there's a narrative for you to hook into and they're being vulnerable, that's when it really gets you. Because I think sometimes poets are a little bit closed off or sometimes poets say, I'm going to read this and you're going to hear it and I don't really care what happens in between. Whereas sometimes poets are just like, okay, here's my heart, step in. There's a truth. There's a sort of truth and an openness and a wanting to engage with the audience rather than I'm being paid to stand up here and read. Don't clap till the end sort of vibe. And yeah. I'm not, I'm not, that's not attacking any particular poet, but I just feel like if a poet is open and like, you know, when you see Joel Taylor, I know I've mentioned Joel already, oh my but God, like, it changed my entire view of the whole it, sport. It's, it's such, it's like, it's like it's just you and her in a phone box and she's speaking right into your face and she really just involves you and Magnetic. you're so like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like that openness and that vulnerability. Is just that's the most important thing for me. I mean, patter is good. I think the downfall of a bad performer sometimes is too much preamble, uh, like five minutes of explanation. Like, don't explain it. Give us a context that we need to hook us in, and then do yeah. the poem. Don't explain the poem. There's no point. Yeah, I think too <laughs> again. Like, yeah, too little is bad patter. Too much is bad patter. There is a yeah, a yeah. Patter, there's a golden patter. But when you're on stage though, and you're enjoying yourself, like. You just get carried away. And before a gig, you'll always think, before that poem, I'm going to say that. And before that poem... And you get up there and just talk absolute shite. And then afterwards, you're like, why did I say that? Why didn't I say that? Yeah. I've I've got two minutes on my set list left and I've got like three poems I'm going to read. Time for one more. No. One of the best (laughs) I've seen was Polar Bear. Yeah. I thought he was a master of the pattern. Yeah. He was... He was clearly being truthful. It clearly wasn't rehearsed. Yeah. He was literally just friends with the audience. Yeah, totally. I, I found that that like his in between was so friendly and genuine that like that itself was the were part of the performance. Well, this is just it. It was such good quality. It almost felt like a poem. Like the whole thing was a poem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's the golden thing in it. Yeah. So. Um... I think they're they're the constants, like obviously you know movement and physicality and whatever. But they're for me just the openness, the vulnerability, and then just holding you with a narrative, giving you exactly what you need and nothing more. I love that. Do you think? I think that's great advice for any listeners. Um, do you think that that's something that you can like develop over time with experience on stage? Yeah, I think it's only experience that can do it really. Because when you first get on stage, you're terrified and you just want to say what you've got to say. Yeah. And then you get into a comfort zone where you probably start saying too much. Yeah. <laughs> and then you learn to real rein, rein it in. And I also think as well, um, you're terrified of silence when you're on stage, right? And you just yeah. want to fill silence with waffle. And if you're nervous, you do. That's why our performances on stage are yeah, like yeah, 30 yeah. seconds shorter because you, you've got adrenaline. You're yeah, exactly. To avoid that silence, yeah. And um, you you almost feel like you've got to like explain the poem because you want to give insight into the creative decisions and every minute detail. And that's fair enough because you're passionate about the poem, but you just learn after a while that you don't need to say... But that's fair enough. I am not. I don't mean to slate people who do it. I think it's just over time. Like if I were to... If you were to watch a video of yourself performing at the start of your career, that's the first thing you'd notice, I think. Yeah. Um, but what it's cool. It just over, takes time. Over fastness, like a kind of rush. It's a rushing. Say, uh, saying too much and 
Well, I mean, the rushing thing is really difficult as well because you. I'm, 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 I'm speaking really quickly now, and I feel like I'm speaking normally. I'm not. The thing that I found <laughs> hardest, right? The thing that I found absolutely the hardest was being comfortable in silence on stage. So first of all, taking a pause when there needs to be a pause because sometimes I watch performers and their poem is like really, and I'm like, fuck, that's amazing. And 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 I go up and do a poem that should be like that, and I'm like, blah blah blah. But also like. Um, <laughs> Because I cut my teeth yes. in at music gigs and at political rallies and festivals or whatever, you always had that laugh. You always had the applause. You always had the audience interaction constantly you giving you approval, right? Mm. Um, and so whenever I did a set list, if I had a poem that was slow and serious and didn't rhyme, I could never do two of those together. It had to be like funny, serious, funny, serious, funny, serious. Yeah. And I went up and did Edinburgh Fringe in 2017 and I had like a, high, a really early version of my show, Two Little Ducks, which is a really serious show about trying to understand the working class leave vote at the same time as I was volunteering at a refugee camp. Like, yeah. it's a pretty fucking serious subject. But when I went up the first time to do it at Edinburgh, it was like a po the pie shop poem and then a refugee camp poem and then fucking in a tent at a festival and then a Brexit poem. Like Because I couldn't... And by the end, it was like, why am I doing those poems? I just want to do the serious ones. Mm. But it took a month for me doing that at Edinburgh to get that out of my system. And now... I don't really do any poems that are funny anymore, to be honest, because I don't need, like, I have confidence in my other work. So I think I think it's partly that you want in that feedback and that approval. And also, like, there's a thing called poetry laughs as well. Like, a lot of comedians have a phrase called poetry laughs. Like, you know, you and I, we can get up and do patter. We pretty much always will make the audience laugh, right? And I think comedians hate it because if you go on stage at a comedy gig, you've got to be so funny just to get one laugh. But at right. a poetry gig... You can say anything and people ah, laugh. It's so easy to be. Yeah, I don't yeah, even yeah. Know that. Oh, yeah, poetry laughs. Um, what, like, oh, it's but you easy get to make a laugh, whereas yeah. I have to, like, kill yeah, it yeah, to yeah. get one thing out because of the audience. Because nobody's expecting to laugh. <laughs> well, no one's expecting to laugh at a poetry gig. So you can get up and just be like, oh, this mic stands a bit shit. And they're like, ha ha. Whereas really? at a comedy gig, it's like, come on, they make me laugh. Now that you say it, <laughs> I, yeah. But, but you get addicted to that as well, though, right? But it, and it can be hard to make the audience laugh. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes, yeah. sometimes if you go in cold and like you try something like that or just like a silly throwaway joke yeah, yeah. and you don't get that first laugh and then you realise that it's going to be a cold set. Yeah, but the thing is you're not a comedian, right? And you, you're tricking yeah. yourself into thinking that you need those laughs to be comfortable. And it's that first, the failure of the first laugh might yeah, flavour exactly. the rest of the performance. So like. just be a grumpy wanker like me and stop looking for laughs. Maybe I will. Then you'll feel more confident in your poems that aren't funny. Because if you do a poem that you think is funny and they don't laugh, then you're like, oh, it's a bad poem, it's a bad poem. And then for the rest mm. of your set, you're pranging out. Yeah. But, you know, that's part of being a performer as well, isn't it? Just... Again, I mean, that's a spoken word particular. It's yeah, like, it, it um, really tone is. Of set yeah. And whether, whether you're going to go for, like, ups and downs, um, tone shifts, yeah. or whether you're just kind of going to really deliver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to shift us on to the fact that you've worked with many slash all of the great figures um, living in modern poetry. Uh, sorry, British poetry, modern <laughs> British poetry, <laughs> worldwide. Worldwide. Um, is there a particular lineup that just made you pinch yourself and say like, wow, this is banana boats? Uh, I mean, any time I gig with Selena Godden, it's pretty mind-blowing, to be I honest. I went to the to one in um, the Constitutional, it was unbelievable. Selena's just, yeah. She followed me on Instagram then and I nearly <laughs> died, even though that's yeah. sort of pathetic. She's, I was like, oh my God. I'm really close with Selena. Like, we're really good pals, but I still feel starstruck when I'm with her, you know. Oh she's just God. like, yeah. Too cool for school. She's on another level. Yeah. She really is. 
Yeah, so I, I can't, no one will top Selena for me. There was, um, the last one I saw with Selena in, and the first was her in Toria Garbert, so that was like, oh, for me, hell, yeah. perfect. Yeah, what a lineup. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Nice, quick one. Um, you work with um, the next generation of poets, uh, and it's an age-old art form. How do you see the future of poetry? I know it's like it's as old as humans. It's the kind of enduring weird thing that we keep doing. But yeah, but it's never going to go away. It's I just agree. it's just people's perception of it and people's access to it. Um, with, and the, with the rise of AI, for example, uh, we're seeing like AI poetry. Nah. I know, but it's I'm not just gonna saying. Stick. It's um, not going to stick. What? How do you see the next hundred years of poetry? Oh Christ! I As like you, a weird ten. hail mary, just to throw some it's, out there. Uh, it, if if a human race is still alive in hundred years, it ain't going to go anywhere. It's just not. It's not going to go anywhere because people need that. Uh, you can listen to Bob Dylan and not like his voice and not like his guitar and so therefore you won't hear his lyrics with a poem there's nothing it's just you and the person's words you get and it's just such an important thing and I feel like um, like so poetry's changed the spoken word scene has changed a lot in the last five years and five years ago it was when everyone was saying poetry's the new rock and roll and the Metro were doing a feature with you know poetry's really in now and everyone was saying yeah in five years it's going to be done and it's not it's just reinventing itself and yeah. I feel like um, young people, uh, Gen Z, is it? Gen Z. Are we, uh, are we yeah, on Gen Z. level? Yeah. yeah, we're millennial. Well, I'm a millennial. You're well, probably I'm, a Gen I'm Z. I'm a millennial as well. Right, 91. okay. Well, Gen Z, the, 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 you know, late teens, early 20s. They're, Gen Z. They're increasingly, they're a lot more politicised than my generation were. Yeah. And, you know, they've grown up with social media, which is a terrifying thought. But I feel like they're so much more open to discussing... Um, identity politics not just identity in general and like looking at society and questioning gender norms and societal norms and stereotypes and questioning capitalism and 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 experimenting with even like veganism and like i feel like all of these issues like my generation went into that at all we just got wankered we just went and got free vks for a fiver no one was interested in any of that like Mm. i don't think anyone in my year at school will have voted like when i was that age to be honest And like, I feel like this generation being like that, it it just fuels into poetry. It just fuel. That's just that is that's where poetry comes from. Yeah, Joelle Taylor said um, when we I saw her at High Park Book Club that um, poetry was the last art form that was kind of independent of capitalist yeah um, input and gain yeah and I really think that's true and what you say rings true because of that that's always going to be true I mean I'm one of these sellout bastards who does poetry for corporate campaigns and like you know that's a thing and I make money out of it and I've made my peace with it or whatever but that's never going to be poetry that's never going to affect the poetry landscape of a poetry scene and ultimately much as you can make a living out of it there's never going to be money to made in poetry really in terms of like you know Universal Records pumping loads of money into the next band because it might potentially... Also, yeah, that's never going to happen in poetry, so it'll kind of always be left alone in that sense, which is brilliant. Why do you think that is? Because it's too, like, independently voiced or because of the content or what's it about it that means it isn't scooped up by... 
it's always a even like so you've got like Rage Against the Machine huge band um, yeah. Reverend and the Makers like you were saying there are there's loads of bands which incorporate poetry in of course yeah, yeah, yeah. Poetry, but, but why does it never get scooped because up as that kind of art form per- um, perception uh, is the main thing people will people, as soon as you you know do you want to come to a poetry event no why would I want to do that it's like jazz. Do you want to come to a jazz gig? Not really. Yeah, I like true, jazz. but it used to... I mean, jazz used to be shit hot. Yeah, well, poetry so did, did, poetry, yeah. Poetry at did. various stages in history, it's... it used to be the coolest kid on the block. I just think it's the perception of it. And, like... In this... Ca- in, in It offers too much criticism. In the capitalist... Um, well, yeah, this part we live that. in now, it's yeah. too... Yeah. ...hot or too, yeah. like, ooh. But, you know... There's poems get millions of views online. There's poet like Rupi Carr, whether you like her or not, she sells what half a million poetry books she sold or something like so. Yeah. Amanda Gorman, look at her doing the poem at Biden's inauguration. Like you, you have these moments and you have yeah. Kay Tempest is fucking massive. Holly McNish is massive in the poetry world. Yeah. Like I would reference that Amanda Gorman moment as a huge like yeah. um boon for all of spoken word. Yeah. I saw that and I thought, fucking hell, this will create a large response. Yeah, it will. And 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 it, both positive and negative, but yeah. and so it'll always have its moment and it'll always be sort of there. It'll be on the fringes of a mainstream and like you go to a wedding, you'll hear a poem, go to a funeral, you'll hear a poem. It's always it's got its place. But I don't think it's ever going to... It's just never going to have that mainstream. Could I make half a million pounds out of that poet? No, I couldn't. Maybe it's just it's not. too close so. to the heart with that. It's too funeral, marriage, close to you, personal. Yeah, but, you know, music's such a big thing because you, you don't go out on a Saturday night and, and listen to poetry, do you? You go to a club... We might, but... Well, no, yeah, we, we might. But what I mean is, you know, you go to a festival, you go to a club, you go to a party, there's music on, you put the radio mm. on. It's Like, music's, music's everywhere. Poetry, music's you know a focal point but also put something in the background music like you're never going to get to that level with poetry but it doesn't matter it doesn't need to be it's cool i like it keep it as it is leave it for us outsiders it's why the outsiders come it's why the people who yeah it's um it's for weirdos it's for weirdos yeah weirdos only yeah it's for weirdos to feel like rock stars i love that um that's a great quote to end on. We're going to do our word association route now. Okay. Um, cue the sound effect of some kind of like lightning bolt or something like that. I don't know. Um, but um, basically, I'm going to read Matt. Um, I don't know how many words, and he's just got to immediately respond to them um, to finish our podcast. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Stand. Tall. Talk. Shit. Shout. Loud. Room. Temperature. Open. Mike. Fix. Odds. Valid. Invalid. Sweet. <laughs> Two. Mix. Pick. Love. Forever. Rise. Fall. Youth. Explosion. Song. Lyric. Give. Take. Critique. Wanker. Find. Keys. Rough. Trade. Tall, but interestingly you said tall. Tall. Order. <laughs> Long. Sleep. Bring. Food. Done. That's it. Okay. <laughs> oh, there were some bizarre answers there. I don't know where some of them came from. No, it's beautiful. Critique. I said wanker. I just yeah, thought no, of, I love uh, that. I just thought of critics, like reviewers and stuff. I don't know why. Uh, thank you so, so much, Matt, for coming and chatting to me today. We miss you, Poppy. Um, and please check out the programme to the festival. There's so much cool stuff going on. 
if you're listening to this during the Leeds Poetry Festival 2023, we still have loads of wonderful events coming up. You can find all the details at leedspoetryfestival.com slash program, um, where you can book on to everything online. Um, you can listen to old episodes and upcoming episodes of Poetry on the Air on the website as well, or Apple Podcasts, anywhere that you get your podcasts. 